Now we have bong audio like rappers. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked. Yo. Well, I'm gonna oh, be stoned. <laughs> Hopefully. You down the ride? Rappers, when they open their intro and it's just like clearing a bong and it's like so, it's actually so hours of champagne like, showers. Yeah, like the, the, the sound of the lighter flicking. Yeah, I do. Can we put that in there? The sound of the lighter flick? It's, You're down the ride. Yeah, it's so savage. Yeah, baby. Edgy. We're making art here. We're creatives. We're artists. Grace, not only are we artists, but we're writers. And you know what? So is everyone listening. So with that being said, are you down to ride? I would most definitely say I'm down to ride. I'm a rider for life. Let's get into it. Let's get into it, baby. Let's ride. Let's ride. Okay, so our trailblazer that it just blazes an absolute trail that I honestly, it's undeniable this trail that this girl blazes. She is younger than both of us. Um, it's absolutely astronomical, the things that she has done with her life. Like the other trailblazers we've covered, yeah, they're a bit older than her. Um, this girl has been a trailblazer since the age of 11, um, which is actually crazy. Her name is Malala Yousafzai. And this girl, she is from Pakistan. Um, she is an advocate for women's education. Have you ever heard of her, Soleil? I have, and I was doing a little bit of research into her, and what's funny is the name, or not funny, but what's interesting, is the name Malala actually means grief-stricken and sad. So her grandfather used to call her Malala, the happiest girl in the world. Um, what is so unique about her, and couple, you know, just one of these really big things, you're talking about her age, She's the youngest Nobel Prize recipient. Yep. So there's that's something she talks about, and we're going to get into it. But she's actually younger than us. She was born on July 12th, 1997. Um, she was born in Mangora, Pakistan. That's located in the country Swat Valley. And this area she grew in, grew up in, you know, when she was little, it was initially a tourist destination. There was music festivals, all sorts of things. And that's when the Taliban came in. And that's where I kind of, I wasn't, I've always heard of the Taliban growing up, but I was never as informed until, you know, you shared some stuff with me earlier. Will you talk a little bit more on what it means for the Taliban who, to have come into this area and what that does to the world that she lives in. Yeah, so when we hear about the Taliban, we think of it as, we think instantly like Osama bin Laden, blah, blah, blah. We think about it in our American hindsight view. Um, the Taliban in 2001 controlled majority of Afghanistan by 2001. Um, the Taliban rule is like really strict Islam, um, which Islamic religion, you know, it is very, very strict. Um, it is very restrictive towards women as well. This is where Malala really comes in because they restricted um, women's education and the right to um, work. So women couldn't have jobs and women could not educate themselves. The Taliban is a very, very gnarly terrorist group in the sense where if women were caught educating themselves, if women were caught having a small business, if women were just caught actually trying to live, um, there is death penalty. There is like literally like, 
things that you would think of in the olden times happening while we're presently alive. The, these things are happening in 2000 and in, in 10, 2008. Like these are very current. This is what we need to talk about very briefly. And I think that that is so important to put into perspective is once again, this is happening right now. These other trailblazers that we have talked about have been older icons. They have their trailblazers. We've talked about them, but this is different because this is something that's going on right now. The, our privilege, you know, that we discussed earlier is we had no idea, or at least I was not that informed on this at all. So I'm really glad that you're able to teach me today and teach others listening, all of our writers out there, you know, what happened or what, not what happened, what is happening. What's currently happening, you know, and like we're having a really current problem as we all are hearing about with ISIS. And, you know, this is also due to the Taliban as well. You know, the Taliban um, really definitely opens themselves up to allowing um, a lot of these uh, terrorist groups and organizations to stay in what they're primarily in right now. They're primarily in Afghanistan, um, the Taliban, because of the work actually Malala has done actually herself. She has actually single-handedly like coerced terrorist groups herself. Um, She has been really, really imposed by the Taliban. The the Taliban has had her on a watch list um, at 11 years old because she's so at 11 years old, um, when she, this is when they cut education, women's education in Pakistan, um, and women could not go to school anymore. And this is obviously a really heavy hit to a girl that hears this, where education has been in her life since she was little. Okay, and, you, and what year was this in? This was in what, like 2008, right? So yes, that's 13 years ago, right? 2008. 12? Yeah. But when she was 11 years old, that's basically what happened. And at 11 years old, let's just put this into perspective. I was picking my nose and playing Foursquare outside. Um, I was not at all thinking of my education being taken away by any means. I was being a little dumbass in a, in a fucking park. So I'm curious, writers, Grace was being a dumbass at 11 years old in a park. I was worried about sneaking into, you know, rated R movies, not living in one. Yeah. What were you worried about at 11? Think about it for a second. Like, that's yeah, that, crazy. That's crazy. And this is, this is what Malala's doing. She actually gave her first speech. Keep in mind, the Taliban can take you out. They have her on a watch list, this young woman. Um, they will. But who would ever expect the Taliban to actually harm someone that's literally not like not like she's a child they don't care this is the Taliban they don't they don't give it they don't care um at all so she she basically like in the sense of Martin Luther King how every time he spoke out um he was ready to risk his life um that is how Malala definitely internalized this and she knows this she's as she's walking to school she sees people in the Taliban with snipers sitting in buildings you know, just patrolling, just patrolling the area that she lives in. That's, that's what she lived under just going to school, um, which is a lot different than the vibe that we go to when we're just skipping our way off to class, um, not thinking about somebody with a sniper watching me go to school. Also, women now are not allowed to go to school. So if you not only that, but at 11 years old, were you even excited about going to school or even considering that it may be a risk for you to get there? No, you were just, you know, no. you were had your head down to to playing, you know, Mario in the backseat of your parents. I hate school. Oh. And you have this 11 year old 
where schools are being blown up and they don't give a shit if, if people are inside of it. These are women's schools that they're blowing up. Um, yeah, it. I mean, it totally puts it into perspective that there are so many things that we absolutely take for granted. And that's why she is such a trailblazer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so she uh, came out after, after they lit probably like around the hundredth school on fire. She was like, nah, like I, I got something to say. And at 11 years old, her dad backed her, which is actually crazy that um, a Pakistani father is letting his daughter speak out like this, which is really, really also iconic. Keep that in mind. So that's one of those really cool things that I researched while learning about her is one of the reasons she was able to have, you know, she was so lucky to have this support was because she attended the school that her father not only taught at, but had actually founded. Like her family has been advocates for education and for breaking education barriers. That's what she grew up surrounded. And that is what she knows. That is what, you know, she will live and die by that. And she almost did, you know? Yeah, she she literally almost did die because as we were saying, she's on that terrorist watch list. As she was walking out of school one day, she was actually shot. She was actually about to be assassinated, um, taken literally out, um, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and once she got, like once that happened, she was in critical condition. She was in a Pakistani hospital. Um, she was lo- not doing well. So they had her in a Pakistani hospital, but they didn't have the, the means in which to be able to care for her because she was in such critical condition that they had to um, med flight her all the way to um, the UK, I wanted to say she went to the UK to go to a hospital there where they actually did revive her. She was in such critical condition though. Like she did not almost make it at all, but ballers survive, dude, like ballers make it. So let's back it up a second because when the Taliban boarded the bus, you know, they asked who was Malala. From what I understand, everyone just looked at her to, you know, and no one said anything, but that's what gave it away. So then she's shot. But at this point, she's 15 years old. So she has already been receiving awards, receiving nominations. She is still, you know, advocating. Yeah, she was advocating. But the reason once she got shot, the reason people knew her is because she was writing for the BBC under a surname. Um that is how she gained recognition of herself. That is why she was on this watch list, essentially, because she was speaking out about what was going on inside. She was being a straight journalist at 11 to 13 years old, being a journalist, talking about what it was like under the regime of the Taliban. And she was just straight up speaking about it in an open platform in such an educated way. But she was using a surname. I want to I want to make sure where I have the name. Goal Makai. Yeah, that's the that was that's what she was being referred to as. But they ended up finding out um, who it was because she gave that speech, the speech that I was just talking about, the how dare the Taliban take away my human rights. That speech blew her up. And then the Taliban was just like, what are you are you kidding me? This is candy for us. Like, so that's when they really started baiting her and watching her. And after she got shot, Basically, like once you get shot, like everybody cares now, like Biggie, Tupac, like you probably didn't even listen to Biggie and Tupac until they were shot. Truthfully, that's the shitty thing about our culture. But once she got shot, everyone cared and everyone started chiming in and there was just like overwhelming support um, thrown her way, um, which was really, really amazing. Truthfully, not like the fact that she got shot, but just the fact that the world outpoured and helped her, that the United Nations actually reached out to her. So let's back it up a little bit. So- 
let's let's build you know a timeline right here so in september 2008 that's when she gives the speech how dare the child how dare the taliban take away my basic right to education so then you know at that's in 2008. In 2009, at 11 years old, is when she begins blogging for the BBC under that pseudonym, Gol Mackay. Yeah. Um, she's out yeah. of that year as a blogger. Then in 2011, nominated for the International Children's Peace Prize, also awarded Pakistan's National Youth Peace Prize. Mind you, she has not been shot yet, so she has still working and doing and advocating and continuously working against the Taliban. On October 9th, 2012, that is when at 15 years old, the Taliban boarded the bus after a massive outpouring and international support. What she goes on to say in a later speech is when my world suddenly changed, my priorities changed too. I had two options. One was to remain silent and wait to be killed. The second was to speak up and then be killed. I chose the second one. I decided to speak up. That's huge. She proceeds to have her birthday be really big speech-making marks in her life. Um, She's now 16 years old or turning 16 years old. She gives a speech at the UN. You know, what were you doing at 16 years old? I actually, at 16, my 16th birthday, I finished a water bottle of raspberry vodka and puked on my coffee table and blamed it on my cat to my dad. Um, and she's speaking in front of the United Nations with a, with a crowd of 500 people pouring in to see her. So we're definitely on a different vibe, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we said earlier, you know, we, we kind of make a joke each episode to each their own. There's two types of girls. There's two but... types of girls. This one's really prevalent. <laughs> so <laughs> this one really hits home. <laughs> You know, and, and so that's, that's what you were doing at 16, but at 16, she's highlighting her focus on education and women's rights. And she's urging, you know, world leaders to change their policies. Oh, and she did. So, she actually did. She actually ran shit at the United she did Nations that. Council. So after, after that was happening, she was given a Nobel Peace Prize, which is, it's absolute, like, can we just, she has a Nobel Peace Prize under her name. The thing, you know, that's interesting as well is she was nominated one year and actually didn't get it that year and then was nominated. What year was it? Who got that over? Oh, yeah. Like, tell me. (laughs) Uh, She got shot. Oh, God. In a... it was in in October 2014, though, uh, Malala does become the youngest person to ever receive the Nobel yep. Peace Prize. She was just 17 years old. She did win it alongside yep. another activist. Um, he, uh, she was first nominated in 2013, but didn't win when she was re-nominated in March 2014 is when she won. Uh, also, she's been described yeah she she was also um nominated by the united nations for the um, human rights prize and it's only awarded every five years and she also was granted that from the united nations she is like a real real strong advocate with the un which is crazy that she has links with them like that like she is like on some levels with the united nations and it's actually impeccable she was at, she was granted and given honorary Canadian citizenship in April 2016 and 
another accomplishment on her. She's the sixth person and youngest in the country's history to ever receive the honor. Canada would probably ask me not to enter their country. Be like, hey, mm, Soleil. Like, like the little square yeah, bottle. bottle. Get back oh, there. back. Damn it. We know what the U.S. is like. Get back there. Yeah, they're scared we of don't us want after that. Trump. Honestly, they're, they're not having any of that. But Malala, honestly, after, after she won that- myself Malala- after Trump. <laughs> Yeah, same. After she won that, she was able to start the Malala Fund, and which is actually crazy. The Pakistani president at the time granted her a $10 million grant, um, which was amazing, where she started this entire fund for herself, uh, the Malala Fund. Um, look up the Malala Fund. Oh, yeah. Look up the work that she has done. Read her book, I Am Malala. She has books for children or children, women, kids, and, you know, of yeah, all she ages. Does. She has, there was a movie about her um she has just there's a lot of really incredible work that she has put out herself she has written some of the most eloquent speeches that I have heard in recent years it's so incredible it was it was it was so refreshing to get to research her because I was like oh I get to tap into my you know old school education charm and then it was Okay, she's super fascinating. So Grace, thank you so much for introducing her to me. I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm not kind of, I am embarrassed. I most women haven't before. Most women haven't, truthfully. And that's why it's like a little I found out about her through NPR podcast. She speaks on NPR a lot. Um, she like is really cool and she does like she'll pop up on a lot of their podcasts on NPR podcasts and like she just always chimes in her two cents about what she's doing with the Malala Fund and like what she's doing across the country, um, across the nation. Um, with her advocacy so yeah she's a savage she's an absolute rider like just try to learn from her and women like her people like her so like can you can you tell me a little bit more about what she did with um, the money that she has in the Malala fund yeah so with that money she goes on to cover all the expenses um, to open schools for Syrian refugee girls in Lebanon Um, the school that she goes on to build on her 18th birthday mind you so like that's what she's doing on her 18th birthday makes you think like think back what were you doing okay probably not that now let's go forward again um (laughs) but you know the school she built on her birthday was designed to admit nearly 200 girls from the ages of 14 to 18 so that's that's primary education still right yep Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's high school. Yeah. She, she built a 200 person high school and that's incredible. So that's especially in the, like with what was going on in Syria at the time, they're going through a crazy civil war. Like people are being detained every day. Women also aren't having the same rights that we do. And she's feels for them. You know, she's an empathetic human being and she feels for them and she takes action. Like this girl, she's a woman of action. She sees other people in, not having a fair right to education. And she says, no, she puts her foot down. She's the first person to put her foot down and grant access to education for people that don't have a voice. And she does it in a way that is just like genuinely so just chivalrous, but it's the, the, I honestly was just about to say the balls that this girl has, but like, honestly, yeah, actually, like I'm going to stick and stick with that one. She's risking her life. And I can't emphasize that enough. She is actually risking her life because the Taliban is, is not like a light organization. Like she is literally going against the Taliban. 
And you know what she says in regards to them? This is another quote from her speech. Um, and the speech that I am quoting from is her speech uh, for receiving the Nobel Peace Prize. That's okay. the speech that I am drawing from. So if you've heard me reference uh-huh. a speech earlier, <clears throat> just to give a little bit of context, but what she says is the terrorists thought that they would change our aims and stop our ambitions, but nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage were born. Wow. Like, if you want to talk about being eloquent and well thought out and using your words to truly mean something, wow. Wow. Yep. You know, and and advocacy, like, that's absolutely, dude, she's so incredible. Like, in 2012, um, the first right to education bill was passed in her name. Like she granted that, like she did that. She single-handedly has changed the lives of so many people. And I think that that's, you know, why we feel like we're here as human beings, at least for me, like, I feel like we're here for purpose to help other people. I did not start off at, yeah, it's inspirational. We didn't start off at like the age that she did, but also, you know what? We didn't go through the adversity that she went through at the age that she did. You know what I mean? And, and as we speak on this podcast, we talk about adversity and overcoming it. And like when we're presented it, what do we do? Do we want to cower to it or do we want to overcome it? She, she doesn't even have one thought in her mind that she's not going to overcome this adversity, not only just for herself, because she wants education for herself. This is for her brothers and sisters. This is for everybody. And what's really incredible and what she does repeatedly say is, you know, what I said earlier, or I don't know if I, if I use this quote earlier, but if I, if I did, it's worth repeating. Um, She says, I tell my story, not because it is unique, but because it is not, it is a story of many girls today. I tell their stories too. Mm -hmm. 100%. Did I say that I don't one know. earlier? You didn't say that earlier. And honestly, like um, on that note, it's just some people are designed to be leaders in this world, truthfully. Some people are leaders and some people are followers and there's nothing wrong with that. If you do not level up to your identity as a leader, you're not, I think, doing the due diligence as a person on this earth. And Malala has actually taken so much action upon that. Um, and it's absolutely actually the most inspirational thing I've ever heard. And, and not only that, she's inspiring like us people over here in America that have all of this privilege. We, we talk privilege a lot in 2020. I think privilege might've been the highlight word of the entire 2020, which privilege is definitely yeah. noted. We, we all know what privilege means, but we also do not take into account the privilege that we have just to be educated as women. We, we do not talk about that. We, we sit there and complain the whole time through it. I, I, she, she got the first right of education bill in 2012. I graduated high school and so did you in 2014. And I promise you, I was complaining all the way through it when I had too many papers, when I had an overload of exams. I was pissed all the time about school and school pissed me off. And like, I was just like, oh, school, 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 school. So it's funny you say that because I kind of had a different relationship with school in 2012 I have always shocking you know been on all of the school councils and everything like that so I was actually on school site council all the way back in eighth grade through graduating high school so school was something attendance school and testing you know my friends will attest to this I was like take it seriously you know, this is what matters. This is how we're getting funding, all that kind of stuff. So I actually, 
I identified with her because I remember being like, you guys take it seriously. Like it just shows how much, you know, how much you don't give a fuck right now when you're taking your star testing or your state standardized testing or whatever it is, that's actually impacting someone that might not have as many resources that you yourself have at home. Like that might impact, not might actually, that is 100% going to impact someone that has less resources than you because it's a trickle down effect. So like, that's how I was like, fuck yeah, Malala. Like I am with you on that because all I remember, you know, being on all these, being a part of being school presidents, meeting with the principals, you know me, that's classic so had my hand in every pot. Were you the kid that but, reminded um, the teacher that homework was due? Cause I'm getting that vibe. Um, I was, um, and I love that for on, myself. Dude. Were you no, no, in high school? Probably not. Do you like, well, I we, know, well, I would have fucked with you. I feel like I would have fucked with you, but like, I would have been like, can you stop raising your hand? I didn't do the homework. <laughs> like, dead ass. I think we would have been friends, but I would have just been like, God, I wish you would give more of a fuck. And you'd pe- probably would have been like, God, I wish you'd give less of one. But I did care about the classes. This is the problem with me though. Like you're saying, like you need to care about everything because it's like, you're, you're not doing it justice to everybody else. I cared about the classes that I cared about. Like I was in APs for the classes that I cared about, but when it came to other classes, I fucked off. And like, I just knew that I also could get a scholarship for sports. So I mm-hmm. was like, ah, you like had another to- resource available to you to then further remove privilege. yourself. I had more privilege. And also like we were talking about this earlier, that school to me, I did like being at school, though. I, but I liked it for the aspect of the, the social aspect. And I also liked it because I didn't have to be at home. Okay. And like, that's something where not everybody has loves, loves being at home and like loves their home life. You know what I mean? And school to me was like, I liked being there. I did like being there. I love sports and I loved having friends. See, so I kind of grew up in the boonies about half an hour away from the school that I ended up going to in sixth grade. So when I was worried, you know, I, I was so excited to get to go to school and was like, if I do well in school, like I can, you know, keep getting to hang out later and hang out with my friends and stuff, because those were like privileges that I earned. So it was kind of like an incentive, but also I didn't go to school in the town that I lived in. So all of my friends and my whole social life and everything was school-based. So it was like, yeah, get involved in everything you can. Like, that's how you're going to have friends. <laughs> it, it's not, not true, friends. though. Like, yeah. That's how you make friends is like going to school and like suppressing women to not be able to go to school, which you're telling them they can't, edu- education is power. Education is power. And you know what? Like, I don't necessarily, the reason I don't like, school is because I don't like the structure and being told what to learn. I love learning. Like, you know me, dude, I'm always researching things all the time. I love educating myself on the things that matter to me. And I also like educating myself on just worldly issues that do actually impact us that we don't think do. Um, education is power, dude. Reading books, power. In other countries, you can't even read books if you're a woman. You can't even have access to the internet. You do not have any rights that we do have. And I think that we just really need to reflect on that and be grateful for the privilege. If we want to really talk privilege, it's the privilege that we can, we can go to school. We can educate ourselves, dude. We can kiss a boy and make out with him in front of the school if we want to. Like we get to live so liberal that it's not even funny. Like we have so much privilege that we don't even get to talk about. You know, like when we, when we get grounded, like the things that I was getting grounded for, I, I just like, honestly, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And it's like that shit, like you never wouldn't even thought of doing that. You know what I mean? Like, 
it's just crazy. It's actually just crazy. The levels of privilege that we have here in America that we don't even see. We have blinders on to see. Yeah, so no, I wasn't winning a Nobel Peace Prize at all in um, high school. I was busy doing other things like trying alcohol and being avoided by men. What were you up to? I mean, kind of a mixture of both, I guess you could say, because in high school, (laughs) I was giving speeches and I was, yeah, I actually was involved in a lot of stuff like that. Like I said earlier, you know, I was musicals and I had a really great relationship with the school admin. That doesn't mean I necessarily had the same relationship um, with my like fellow students. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I had my face photoshopped onto some really racially insensitive um, pictures because my last name is Jewish. I am my, you know, I'm Jewish. Uh, Spiegelman. Spiegelman. It's, it's like, Jewish, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty it's Jewish. Not hard. Bagel and it's, it's is basically what it is. Schmear? <laughs> Bagel and Schmear and locks of it. That's a good dad joke. I like that. So they had, this kid had um, photoshopped my school photo. He had photoshopped my face onto a picture. Um, of a really racially insensitive gathering uh, involving men in white coats. Um, and so- So we're talking he, about the here? Yes. And he hung these up okay. all over our classroom. And I like walked into math class huh? that, this next morning and like had to see these everywhere. And I just remember being so upset. And so like, that was like one, just one isolated event, but I, that's nothing in comparison to like, so that was like, you know, kind of unfortunately what I would not classify as a typical American high school experience, but like, yeah, he got in trouble for it. He knew never to fuck with me again. That was made very, very clear. And he will agree with that as well. Um, Can we ask? Can I ask why he knows that that's very clear? Because he just knows it, like, it wouldn't benefit him. I think that's the best way of, like, saying that. Okay. Yeah. It would not benefit you to bully me like that again. Let me tell you. Dude, you were, like, you've been, like, bullied, dude. Like, you've been straight bullied. Like, I, like, hate to say it, but, like, you've just genuinely been bullied. And, like, that's just such an American thing to do. Like, not only are we just taking our education for granted, but we're just straight bullying kids that are trying to, like, push for educational rights. And, like, you were just such an advocate for just, like, kids being better and, like, educating themselves more and be like, oh, take your standard size testing seriously. But, like, as an American kids, I would have been, like... Fuck you, like, Soleil. Like, I don't want to take I took my standardized like, testing so serious. <laughs> All right. I don't think I've ever told you this story, but a lot of people know it. Slash, there were 30 of my peers there when it happened as well. So here it goes. I take my standardized testing so seriously that a kid, Kenny, this is for you. Kenny sat next to me and his mother had forced him to come to school to take the standardized testing. I'd sent him a red Gatorade with a flu. Mind you, we would never do this today because, you know, pandemic problems. You would never send a child to school with a runny nose or a cough or anything. We don't even, we sent this kid, we sent Kenny to school with, you know, the stomach flu. So he, uh, 
he looks left and right and he proceeds to vomit directly onto my standardized test mind you they only give one standardized test per student and you had to take it and I respected oh, that and most. I cared the care most. most so the teacher literally wipes everything down gives me a pair of latex gloves like gives me gloves and I took the test and to this day whenever I would be out in town and would see Kenny I'd be like you Kenny this one's for you you puked on my star test I still took it so take tests seriously Talk guys adversity, though. so you had somebody puke on your test and you said I don't give a fuck I'm still going to actually push more for my education and see if somebody puked on my test, I'd be like, thank you. I didn't want to take this anyway. I'm leaving. I'm not wiping this standardized test down. You best fucking believe it. No, 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 no. I mean, that's what I, I feel like that's what a normal person would do though. It's, it's really ridiculous that I would take a test that someone had. It is ridiculous, but I also admire you for that. Like I actually admire you for, that's actually something my sister would do. You remind me of my sister in that way of like how much she like really went above and beyond like in her education. And like, you know, we were talking earlier about my grandmother, how she literally had to thumb her way to school for about an hour and a half no bullshit no no bullshit like my grandmother literally lived in the middle of nowhere in Maine and she had to like thumb her way to school she would be in the back of a milk truck um thumbing her way to school for an hour and a half just to get into town um just to educate herself and some days like the ride would swing past of her and she'd just be stuck on a farm like milking cows stepping in cow shit all day and she was like absolutely not because she knew at a young age that education was power she also was a very social woman so she loved the social aspect of being able to make friends but she loved learning and she would always like look at me and be like grace you need to take school more seriously take school more seriously and it's like i know i'm talking about myself like i'm some fuck off in school like i got very good grades i did Ooh, i did care about school very much so but there was levels to it where it's like i really did care about a lot of other things a lot more so it's really cool that you credited your grandmother for that because Someone that I think I would need to credit for pushing that drive in me is actually my dad. Um, my dad has always been, yeah, he's a, he's always been the biggest supporter. I remember he taught me long division when I was in like second grade and I would practice long division with my dad because he was like, why is it too early for you to know this? It's not. And like my dad, he, he didn't go to college. Like he, graduated high school and high school wasn't the easiest journey for him and so that I think is what really fueled me and pushed me that just always meant so much to me that you know was always the biggest supporter of like try your hardest and like your education is single-handedly the baseline for everything my dad would drive us on our field trips and then like there was a couple other moms and like Pauline I don't know if you would ever hear this but you and my, my dad and all these other parents that were just so actively always there and just so supportive. There's so many people I could shout out that just always pushed for kids to have the best experiences in school. And I'm lucky there's too many names I want to thank for being like, get your ass in class, put your head down and reap the reward. That's truthfully like a very American dream type of situation. Like, and I went to, I went to um, like high school in Massachusetts and Massachusetts has like really amazing schools. In high school, I was taking like, I felt like the classwork was pretty rigorous. Like, but you also could take honors AP classes like that. 
could push you. And by the time I went to college, I was like, oh, wow, this is such a blessing. I can, I can just truly do the writing that I want. Cause I was always more of that left, that left, right brain type of person. There's two of us. I'm, I'm really that creative brain side. Um, so when I'm forced to take math classes and science classes and all these classes that I have to, I just get down on myself and I'm like, I hate school. I hate all this. But when I got to college and I could actually just center it and focus on all of the things that I wanted to, I was like, this is a dream come true. Education is so important. Education is such a tool. I can finally educate myself with all that I want to. But one of the, a funny story that I wanted to share from high school and like my, my bother move from high school for standing up what I thought was which was what I thought was true was I had this chemistry teacher. I'm not going to drop his name, but he was this crazy Russian guy. And he would literally like, it's always the Russians, isn't it? I've been hearing the craziest shit about Russia. They're just gnarly, dude. Russian people are gnarly. Like Like, from Russia, like straight from Russia. They just like, don't give a fuck. And this guy, he would literally be and like, I was an athlete. So sometimes I'd lift before school or get a run in before school. And he would be, of course you would. Of course I would. Mr. Russian guy would be powerlifting in in the gym mm. in his suit that he's wearing to class. So keep in mind he might he might get a little smelly. Let's be real. Um, this guy's also how he speaks creepy, dude. It kind of sends chills down your back. And also he's teaching chemistry. Like all I can hear is like multiple ratio. Like in my mind, like I just I get chills thinking about. Yeah, it. you look but kind this of guy, uncomfortable. I am kind of uncomfortable. I suck, as I was saying earlier, I suck at like math classes, chemistry classes, like classes like this. I just like, I know I'm going to get like a B minus C plus and I'm not going to lie. Like I accept that in this course. Um, and I just go in there and I just try to try my best, honestly, try my best, but eh. so this guy's very creepy. I start getting very good grades in this class, right? I'm getting, I'm getting A's. I'm getting A's and I really should be getting D's. Why do I unfortunately feel like I know where this is going? You do know where this is going. You do know where this is going. So is this what you meant by saying the typical American high school dream? You know, those yes. shared experiences of the, mm. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I don't know what is it a detail that adds or subtracts to this story if I ask you how old this teacher is or was in this? Probably probably like 55, 60. Okay. I mean, it's gross regardless, but that's gross. Gross regardless. So keep in mind, there's one day where I had a shirt where my shoulder was showing. So he slipped his hand through my shoulder <laughs> patch and up into my neck, um, up into my neck. And he goes, I like this shirt you have on Greece. I literally remember it today. And then I was like, absolutely not. I was triggered. I was like, absolutely not. After that, I started speaking up against him just because I was like, you know what? This isn't acceptable. So I just, I had to start trying class. He would send me to the principal's office every other class if I tried to speak. And I ended up having to start forming a relationship with my school um, psychiatrist because I had to just go sit in her office because he would send me to the principal's office so much just because I was trying to stand up for what is right. Keep in mind, this guy got me suspended. I got suspended my junior year and didn't even get to go to prom. I had a scout coming out from Villanova to watch my track meet. And that scout didn't even get to end up coming because I got, couldn't go to, I got suspended for three days because there is, remember Vine? Remember Vine? How I, how I told you that this guy would lift weights in his suit and would smell really bad. Yeah. So there was a Vine that my friend took and I liked the post and it was, and I liked the post in my, I was the only person that liked it. And in the school handbook that said that I was abusing a teacher, um, promoting hate against a teacher. So I got suspended for three days from this guy being an actual creeper. My whole school like started a little petition that I, to get me to go to prom and to get me to run in my track meet. 
nope, didn't happen. But the one thing that did happen that Malala would be proud of me for is that the next year he started substitute teaching and he got released because he retired. And I know for a fact he didn't because I told the principals everything that he did and that he sent me to the principal all the time. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a story of me trying to stand up in high school about what I thought was right. I always am a little bit outspoken, but I do think being a little bit outspoken to do what's right is necessary. Truthfully, I absolutely will not put up with this. Boundaries, baby. But let's wrap this up and let's get into our therapy note of the week, baby. Okay, I've got a great one. Ready? Yes. Alrighty, so my therapy note for the week is going to be, it's okay sometimes uh, after you put things in motion to watch things unfold, you can't control the outcome. Yeah, that's really key. Yeah. So um, kind of like with this podcast or any venture, like if you're investing in something and investing in it for yourself, you know, let that momentum start to build for it. Um, you can't control what's going to happen, how it's going to be received, you know, or, you know, if anyone's going to listen, but if you're going to put your all into it, then you're going to get to watch, like sit back and watch what you do. I love that. And it's like giving yourself the space to grow and be able to like watch yourself bloom. Yeah. But I love that. Thank you. Um, mine would be, I've kind of just been struggling with other people's mental health around me and like letting mm. myself reflect on other people's mental health that has kind of affected me thoroughly through my growth process. Um, That's true. So my therapist, my therapist made a really good note though. And she was like, when we are able to love people from the capacity in which they function, instead of the capacity we want them to function, it makes it, it makes a lot more sense. I and love, like, we can, yeah, it's really great. Right. I love that because it kind of reminds, not kind of, it reminds me of, um, how we always talk about managing your expectations and yeah. um, accepting people for who they are and who they present themselves as not um, ex not trying to rationalize or make, you know, make excuses for people. Like if I think that's the beauty of getting older is kind of, at least for us being able to step back from these relationships that might not be benefiting us and give them time to see and adjust and grow. So I think both of our actual, or both of our therapy facts this week were on about, um, you know, growth. And it's okay to take a step back and like love the growth and the process of it. And- Manage your expectations though. Don't expect, don't expect, like don't be disappointed when somebody consistently keeps letting you down. You know, take your space from that person that's like consistently letting you down and just reflect on why you know, and then also let yourself just be like, you know, I'm going to manage my expectations with you. I'm going to let myself love you at, at what I can. And, and then you won't be so disappointed when that person consistently keeps hurting you. And I've just had a problem with that with a lot of people. And I just get so down on myself when this person's not treating Something me right. I'm going to point out to you, this was my secondary therapy one that I was debating talking about was my therapist told me whenever I talk, I talk in the negative. So it's how is this person going to disappoint me is what you were saying. But it's, um, I think if when you're managing expectations, it's not a disappointment. It's just an acceptance of where they're at. So if you, if you flip that perspective, I think that that could also be really powerful, but you are right too. 
people are shitty and they do disappoint. Even when you have set the expectations low, sometimes they set them even lower. And we don't want those kind of riders. So if you're that kind of rider, go ahead on a scoot your way out because we're gonna wrap it up for today. You down the ride? I think we've ridden down trails that, you know, aren't the most positive or beneficial for us. So we're riding. We literally we don't have the Taliban against us. We don't have anyone against us, essentially, but ourselves. So let's accept that privilege as well. It's like our trailblazer, our trailblazer, Malala, she has had so many people literally try to kill her. So, you know, us being like, uh, or me being self-critical or, you know, you having really shitty interactions with people. It's like, we're not on it. So <laughs> we're not on a hit list. My family is safe and healthy. And we can we have the power to educate ourselves and to learn and follow us everywhere because we're really we're really trying to delve into this platform and do the best that we can. So stick with us at the beginning because we're learning with you all. Yeah. We love you. Uh, love you. <laughs> love you. All right. XOXO. Love y'all. Keep riding. Baby. Ride on. Peace.